0: On this episode of Resi Week, we talk growing in the post pandemic era, the supply chain, and remote work. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week.
1: The network for the AV industry.
2: What are you listening to? This.
3: This is AV.
2: This.
4: This. This
3: This is is AV Nation. Nation.
2: This is AV Nation.
0: This is Resi Week, episode 361, best of 2022. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. Or at least usually it is, but instead this week, uh, we are going to do our yearly wrap-up show with all the biggest, in quotes, literally the biggest news and stories uh, for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for Aviation.tv. All right, we are going to kick it off. Uh, we, we covered a ton of stuff this year, but we're going to kind of kick off our top three uh, most popular episodes. Uh, it feels like every time we get to the end of the year show, it has been uh, an interesting one, and we, we say as much. But 2022 uh, was definitely uh, highly eventful in the residential space. Shows like Infocom, ISC, and CD Expo returned to the physical realm. And although many companies are bringing their workforces back into the office, there are still a good number of remote and hybrid employees looking to set up their home office spaces. We've even managed to gain some ground back in the ongoing supply chain shortage uh, systems, although that is is definitely still a slow process. So we're going to start off uh, with Resi Week episode 325. It was right off the heels of HTSA's 2020 spring conference. Integrators were asked about their plans for growing their business in a post-pandemic market. We were joined by Katie McGregor-Bennett and Avi Rosenthal uh, to join us in a discussion of how integrators can step up to be the authority on anything tech-related in their homes.
5: You and I have talked about this a million times and one of the things I, I love to review at trade shows about is remember that interview we did with IHIG like ten years ago and you were like I he get I hate I I well, what do you call them? And the point of me not having you getting to rib you about that one more time, but way back in the day, like 10 plus years ago, their tagline was own the network, own the home. And it was a really hard concept to get through to the industry and to the consumer on the other side of what exactly does that mean? And it was really just forecasting what the future was going to hold, which is the critical nature of, of the network in the modern residence. And anymore, I mean, I'm not talking about design modern. I'm talking about just the homes we live in today, mm-hmm. just like you wouldn't have, elect- you, you wouldn't not have electrical or plumbing you also really don't have a home without some sort of an internet backbone and now that there's more work being done from home we were talking about this before we started recording even customer service is being done from the bed not here, but elsewhere, the network that has to be in that, okay, maybe sometimes, but the network that, that has to be there to support the structure of the home, it really does need to be more and more robust, and it's just, it is, it's a fact of life. It's one that I'm rejoicing and celebrating on behalf of my clients, but also, finally, for our industry, getting the recognition that we deserve and the importance of that network being properly structured, properly secured, and properly supported And I think, you know, now is the time for us to go, hey, hallelujah, finally, now we have a consumer audience that really understands and and hopefully respects the value of the work that the integration community does and the manufacturing community brings to the table. Off the shelf is no no longer good enough, and it really needs Mm -hmm. to be questioned and scrutinized, and I think that's that's really what what this message is all about and I think you know the integration community really is finding finding their stride and finding new opportunities to to expand their businesses and really be more of an important role and again it comes back to that now they own the network they can own the home
4: First of all I think it's great for the integration community because I completely com- uh, I completely agree with Katie when she talks about how we now own the network owning the network is not just about the network but every single device that's connected to it mm-hmm. so if you're not looking at things like, battery backup, right? Charging vehicles, solar panels, conversion generators. If you're not into intimately involved with a lot of these systems, your builder partners and your homeowners are gonna to start to look for somebody who is. I myself have started consulting with a number of builders. During the building boom, I was approached by not only some of my previous builders from like way back in the day, but some builders found me at a trade show and online as well and brought me in as their technology consultant. Now, I'm not becoming an integrator again. I'm I'm too old to be up in attics pulling wire. I get it. It's okay. I own it. It's all right. But the knowledge base in having to understand how everything goes together and the difference between a strong network and a weak network and what that means to a homeowner when they move in and they want to connect all these smart devices is very, very important. And it all comes back to the reputation of the person building the house. So if we are not the GC, which certainly we're not, we're not building the sticks and the roofs and the walls and all of that, what we're putting behind all of that and what we're establishing to run everything once it's done is just as important as making sure the roof doesn't leak. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the good integrators are going to embrace that They're going to embrace the position that they're being placed in. It's sort of like, you know, we always put the architects up on this pedestal, right? They were always, Ooh, we have to go talk to the architect. Let them put us on the same pedestal. Let us put on the same pedestal as the architect. You're going to design the structure. You're going to design the HVAC system and the way that the plumbing drains and all of that. At the same time, you need an expert to know how everything goes together. And again, what Katie mentioned, not only does it, is it positive for the integrator? But proof of that is that the manufacturers are now stepping up. Very large networking hardware companies are recognizing the potential within the integration business and they're coming to the integrators to say, hey, we wanna be a part of what you're installing. You are now the specifier of the equipment going into this Mm -hmm. home and we wanna talk to you. The same way we used to curry favor with the architects and the lighting designers when it came to technology, the networking hardware manufacturers are going to curry favor with the integrators, which I don't want to get too ahead of your stories, but you have a story in there about buying groups that mm-hmm. we're going to talk about in a little bit. Why is that company currying favor with all four buying groups? Because they know at the end of the day, the integrator is the designer, is the, the person specifying what's going into the home. Own the network, own the home, own the integrator, get the sales. Even though we are in a post pandemic
0: market, we are still actually having trouble literally getting product. Uh, the supply chain issues have been at this point uh, have become a staple for both the resi week world and the AV week world. every tech related vertical is feeling the crunch to the point that some companies like crustron and, and literally almost every other company uh, have had to be extremely candid about their product availability. The wonderful Richard Fergosa took over for Resi Week 344, where he, Alex cappas and Jeremy Glowacki talked about the state of supply chains for manufacturers and the industries as a whole.
3: I was very impressed with Crestron's transparency in this. I didn't read defensiveness from them. Um, It's a company um, leadership that's different than even recent years, and I just felt like the way that they handled this was very very clear, very educational. I learned a lot. I felt like, you know, as a media person, I'm always looking for the spin, and I didn't feel like I was being spun. I did feel like perhaps, like Alex said, that they didn't do everything that they needed to do early on. Um, They made a, a, a strong case in maybe parts that Alex didn't hear for the efforts that they had made, but they also said that going to sort of the open market for certain missing components, you have to be careful about quality control. So there's a lot of time involved in that. And um, they they also mentioned something that just, you don't really think about some of these circuit boards and that there are pieces that in early times, pre-COVID times, seem fairly um, commodity-like, little power supplies and things that are just pennies Um, that are just not available because of that foundry issue Um, thousands of pieces that go onto a circuit board from 200 some manufacturers they said so just a crazy number of of pieces that go together to to make the operations behind the scenes on these products so um, I felt like um, obviously the dealer's response no one's going to be pleased with this it's not like giving us the full transparent answer really solves the problem which is that they've got clients that are expecting systems to be completed and they keep getting pushed around on deadlines and time you know frames and the dealers have to pass along bad information repeatedly to these clients who are probably very demanding people (laughs) just in the way that they are high net worth individuals who are trying to complete their homes and anyone I don't care who you are. You're doing a home project. You want it to get done in a timely fashion, and these folks are dealing with 18 to 24 months of just delays and um, you know excuses. And the dealers are stuck in between. They they can't do anything about it. Manufacturers tell them one thing, and then they change it because the supplier to the manufacturer changes their their uh, story. So it, it's a lot of frustration. There's not a lot of easy answers. The only sort of light at the end of the tunnel, I sort of got at the, toward the end of it was that they're starting to see some of the ports clearing up, the shipping container pro, pro, um, prices are starting to go down, which is a good sign, um, and the predictability is starting to prove in the last six weeks. So it seems like that they're getting closer to clearing some of these delays. It's gonna still be into next year, uh, perhaps into second quarter of next year. But uh, I was just looking for some just tiny bit of optimism, and that's as close as I got to anything <laughs> at the end, unfortunately. Um, but again, it, I think it's, Alex makes a great point, and I have to take his word for it as a manufacturer. Maybe there were things that could have been done, but it's also a big, um, pretty big manufacturer with a lot of moving parts, so um, I also kind of see their side of it too, and it's a, it's a challenging time for everybody.
1: Well, not necessarily to end it on a downer, because really we aren't. I mean, we know that these are items that are going to improve. Uh, we just know that they're not necessarily going to improve at the speed that we've been used to in the industry. Uh, but there there's a lot there. I know that the reports um, I've had a long-standing relationship with with Crestron for going on 30 years. Uh, and we have seen many of the challenges that we're talking about but uh absolutely alex does make a good point which is you know taking plan a plan b plan c plan d this is uh the nature of the industry it's obviously crestron's not the only company that's been affected by it some have been able to navigate it better uh than others but it is still a uh process that dealers need to look into and and actually i was gonna ask a second because we're gonna wrap up um in a moment but what should dealers be looking to do as we're going to be navigating roughly you know jeremy i think you're you're saying probably three more quarters possibly four more quarters um before we start seeing things starting to normalize what's the advice that you've been able to give dealers
3: oh me personally
1: well both of you i just i I just yeah i just want to see that i mean if you had a dealer in front of you that said hey you know how am i going to navigate these next nine months you know 12 months which is you know, again, you're you obviously you you have a, a huge uh, outreach to the dealers. And, you know, again, it's the uh, you know, we'd love to be able to soothe all of their concerns. But you have had the ability to see uh, a lot of what's out there.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I would say from from my perspective that uh, so many of the dealers that I talk to, frankly, are they're they're survivors out there. You know, they're entrepreneurs who have gone through the school of hard knocks throughout their career. Um, they, they know how to get through this better than I can tell them how to get through it. They've, they've lived it and they're gonna find um, alternative sources for product and try new things. Unfortunately, um, there are certain things that they just aren't gonna be able to get and maybe that affects this type of project that they're trying to complete. So there may not be a good replacement piece there. Um, there's not, not everything has a, has a solution right now, unfortunately. So you just kind of have to get in line and and hope that your clients don't just give up on everything that you're trying to work with them on. But uh, you know, there there were problems early on with receivers. There were problems with TVs. Things get caught up, and then other things are still a problem with control pieces. So it's I guess tr- just adjusting the type of project that they're bit- that they're uh, designing for for the time being, and looking the short-term versus the long-term. So it's – got to say, there's not an easy answer for that one. It's just that I think these guys have been doing this for so long, they will find their channels. And the, the buying groups have been really great for them too, to be honest. I've talked to some folks here in buying groups. They've been able to really help. And as much as they don't want to be called buying groups anymore, I think that part of their their kind of name actually comes to bear right now. You know, they, they can – pull together some resources, and also peer-to-peer buying group members. You know, you feel trusting a um, guy in another state that you're not competing directly with, It's a part of your same group, and you say, hey, I need this missing piece. Can you help me out? Do you have any inventory? Some of them have been able to purchase inventory, and they don't necessarily need it all um, at once. They're just predict- planning ahead, and they can help each other out. I've heard that happening too. So there's a, a lot of survivors out there.
1: Well, Alex, I'm going to let you take us out on this one. You know, again, it's we we are hearing these reports that, that uh, you know, and, and they're kind of following suit with the reports that we were getting last year. You know, everybody kind of hemmed and hawed over, you know, hearing 2023 uh, was going to be the time that we would start cresting the wave. and. Here we are, you know, almost three-quarters of the way through 2022. Uh, but as a manufacturer, you know, what what is your advice? And again, calling from the CDS side, what is that advice um, for those, not necessarily the established dealers, but also the new dealers are going, hey, this is the first time that I've had to deal, deal with these kind of challenges.
2: Yeah. So from my perspective, we're still seeing a lot of dealers buying product just in time. When you purchase through the Josh store, there's an option to say, ship it immediately. I need a rush order. And that happens all the time. And fortunately for dealers, we've had inventory in stock. But what happens if we don't? What happens like many other manufacturers when you can't get the product just in time? And so I do recommend stocking some amount of inventory, at least if you know you have projects coming up, you know you're going to need the product. I have heard other manufacturers saying the opposite, saying, hey, if you don't need it now, let another dealer get it, you know, wait till you need it. But my attitude is Stay on the, the community pages. If you see a dealer saying that they need a certain product that you have, be willing to you know, offer it to them if you have that ability. But otherwise, stocking and holding inventory is your best bet to have product for your client. And so I recommend if you have the cash on hand and you know the projects are coming up, buy early if you want to make sure that you can install it when your client needs it.
0: Finally, in our last show, we look at a question that was posited by CE Pro in one of their articles. Is remote work and hybrid work destroying company culture? Sure, that title is a little clickbaity, but it definitely works since we had a great discussion about it in Resi Week episode 322. Mitchell Klein and Jeremy Glowacki joined us to look at how the work from home movement has changed the dynamics in many businesses and what that will look like going forward.
6: Just for reference, we're a global organization. We've got offices all around the world and and having to force everyone to do Zoom type and remote work actually was a phenomenal opportunity for everybody to get to know everybody and flatten the management uh, structure. Mm -hmm. So the overall, as much as it was frustrating, the overall experience was phenomenal. And I think that that first part of that study is right on. It really helped to grow corporate culture. The downside to that is, okay, now this people start coming back to work uh, our company has offered up a flex opportunity where each individual uh, site can determine, you know, what does a flex mean? You know, some sites say you got to come in twice a week, some say three times a week, others permit, you know, a full-time off-site. Uh, and sites will typically say, okay, on say every Thursday, everyone comes in. So you have this, you know, uh, kumbaya moment, if you will. Uh, but, I am very confident that within the next year or so people who are on this flex program who've given up their desks are going to start feeling left out. That whole FOMO thing you hear about, there's no question in my mind when when they do the happy hour or they bring the lunch in or they have the guest speaker, being remote in is definitely going to detract away from the closeness and the camaraderie. It's not going to help it.
0: Uh, that's a real good point, Mitchell. Uh, Jeremy – If we kind of preclude the last, you know, two years, there's always been those companies where there's one random team member who's in Idaho and the rest of the team is down in Albuquerque and it's, you know, they're a part of the team. They're helping out a ton, but yeah, they get zoomed in when they're doing an all hands meeting and they're kind of there and they're kind of a part of it, but they're up on the screen by themselves and it's weird, but they also miss out on, you know, when donuts come in, Or when the team decides to go out for lunch, uh, or to the pub afterwards and do all the little team building things that half the time are unplanned and and more successful than the planned team building. But is there a way that the, the AV community can help employers and employees try to, try to shorten, shrink that gap, um, when it's not so, you know, pandemic necessary, right? One, as we're coming out of this, is there a way that we can come in and and kind of do an after-action report, and then try to help again the all all aspects of of the people involved in this utilize remote better.
3: Yeah, it's i was starting to uh, laugh a little bit as you're describing that per, that one random person because I was that random person for a while Did with you? my company. <laughs> yeah, I. I you know i, I worked in a new york office for many years and they when technology got to a point where i could move back to my hometown i moved back and what what wasn't really in the cards then was the video conferencing yet and zoom wasn't mm-hmm. really a thing um it kind of developed over time but at that point it was more of like a slack community thing where or or uh some kind of a um I don't know like uh, instant message kind of situation and that became the new water cooler for me temporarily so then technology evolves and Slack channels still exist with companies and it's still a very good communication tool um to have real time conversations just typed in um but I think when we, we were considering doing a follow up to the Crestron acquisition of One Beyond and uh mm-hmm. we've got uh hint- Henry Clifford's doing a review for us this week on the Vadio IntelliShot auto tracking camera. And these kind of technologies that sort of track people in the room so you can get up and move around and or you can have multiple people, um, you know, from the standpoint of that person watching a room full of their colleagues and their remote, when they speak, it, the camera will adjust and zoom in on that person so you can have a more interesting um dynamic experience from a video conferencing Mm -hmm. standpoint you're never gonna get that full cultural experience that was a thing that i very much fully realized i was missing out on when christmas rolled around and you had a holiday party and (laughs) everybody's bringing in something It's it's like the the cheap cheap version of a holiday party where it's a uh, uh what do you call it when you bring everybody brings something it's a uh, oh, like a secret Santa or something? No, like food. Like uh, oh,
0: like a potluck. Potluck, yes. Yeah,
3: and in a way, I was like, "Thank God I don't have to bring something to the <laughs> potluck." That seems like why can't the company fork over a restaurant bill or something? You know, go out to eat. But um, but then there was just like a fun thing. You hear, "Oh yeah, this guy," you know, they they really love their chili, and they're going to bring their chili. And you did feel mm-hmm. that FOMO, and it was uh, unfortunate. So it's hard to really mimic the culture. Um, but I think because so many of us have now been in this remote situation, it's, it's maybe a different expectation of what that culture needs to be. Um, and, and as long as you're able to connect and see your colleagues and have a regularly scheduled visual, um, representation of who you're working with, you don't feel completely isolated Mm -hmm. and out of it. Um, and, and it, it, it's, it's a very oddly the the idea of zoom which seems like kind of cold and distant there's a intimacy to it too I mean you're in you're Mm -hmm. inviting someone into your space if it's your home or whatever and yeah it can be awkward if you're in a single room apartment and you're sharing space uh but I can now interview people that are fairly famous and I am almost one-on-one in their space. Like it's a really weird yeah. intimacy that didn't exist before. Um, you know, we do a phone call and it's not the same uh, in the old days, now now you're right there. So there, there's something to be said for the video conferencing, even though we've all kind of gotten burned out by it. You know, I think we've also come to realize that it's in, on our own terms, you can be there and kind of crop your world and show them this is my hotel room yeah. or my condo at the beach, you know, and you can see what you need to see, but not the the bathing suits hanging off the chair and the out
0: of the frame, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Well, that's going to wrap up our best of the year episode. Thank you again for joining us throughout this entire year. Uh, we greatly appreciate your continued support. If you'd like to connect with me, you can reach me on Twitter at Matt D Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit AVNation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Week.